it is vastly better to make 50% of the people 100% happy than 100% of the people 50% happy. That, 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 that may be the, the, little, the little tag that kicks the podcast off. Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone. It's the AB Testing Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we're here to talk about everything you want to know about Elon Musk and Taylor Swift. Hey, Swifties. (laughs) Oh, wrong. Oh, sorry. I have another podcast. That's a Taylor Swift and Elon Musk sort of love-hate fan club, hate club thing that I, I, I thought it was that one. Nope, it's just this one. Okay, um, but you know, you know, Midnight's came out last week. A lot of people are really excited, so uh, I just want to make sure we acknowledge this historical event in modern artistry. Um, and I guess that's a new album by Elon Musk. No, Elon Musk is Elon Musk's latest album is buying Twitter and firing everybody. Hey, do you remember the fail whale? You've been using Twitter long enough. Twitter had this, their, their error page, their 503 page was a fail whale, a whale. They called it the oh, fail whale. okay. Haven't seen it in a long, long time. I bet you it's coming back. Uh, is that good or bad? I, I think Elon's going to screw up Twitter. That's what I think. Oh, I think. And it- uh, Midnight is the new Tay-Tay album. Go check <laughs> it out on Spotify. Get your favorite colored vinyl from Target, also known as Target. You know, good stuff. Don't know whether to rave about Taylor or to complain about Elon, but that would be, that's the other podcast. You can look that up. It's called, oddly, it's also called the AB Testing Podcast. So it's hard to find. Just see if you can find it. Uh, but I'm sure it exists. <laughs> do you ever do the thing where you have a dream and it's so real or you think about something, you think it was real, you can't remember if it was really happened or it was a dream? Not maybe for a while. Pod, maybe this podcast does exist or maybe it was a dream or... Or maybe I've had too much coffee. Could, could be coffee. I don't know. Anything. <laughs> Anything. What have you been up to, Brent? Oh, my God. This podcast is going Hey, I go. am here to bring the energy, and you are here to bring the dumb. Let's go. Um, Brent actually is very distraught. Very distraught. I uh, am. There has been a loss, in um, a grave loss in Brent's world. Um, apparently, just in the last half hour, Brent's keyboard died. It did, and uh, I I plugged it in and saw because I assumed it was a stuck key, and I plugged it in after I found a replacement keyboard. Plugged it in, and here I want to show you, Alan. Right, it's a Corsair. It's it's an expensive keyboard. It, I'm looking at a big mechanical keyboard. Yeah, it's a mechanical keyboard, which is which is my friend. Mine too. And it it has cool lights that you can program. This keyboard makes me happy. I started using a DAS keyboard, a wired, heavy-duty mechanical keyboard at home. And then during the pandemic, when I was working about the house, I got myself a three-quarter size Keytronics, a USB mechanical keyboard. And I brought that thing to the office now. I love it. I love it. It's uh, mechanical, but in that kind of not so much to piss off people around you sort of thing. 
Not that people show up into the office. We had that discussion last time. Anyway, I am all over the mech keyboards as well. Mine's a little bit more. Can I get it up there to the camera? Mine's a little smaller than yours. Yeah. What's the brand on that one? Das keyboard. D-A-S keyboard. Das keyboard, like German. Das keyboard. Das keyboard. So as all three listeners know, uh, mechanical keyboards are cool. And I we've probably talked about these before. I think it was you, maybe. Are you the one who started using mechanical keyboards because you're pounding the keys so hard you're hurting your wrists? Yep. That was you. Okay, that's a yep. common, common thing. So I'm, I might have heard that before from somebody else. All right, well, I'm sorry about that, but there are younger and more attractive keyboards you can move into if needed. That one was an, a very, I could make my keys be rainbowy colors or, oh, or make, yeah. I press a key and then on the keyboard to make like a little water drip explosion thing. Oh yeah. 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 My, um, I don't, I've had some that can do that, but I tend to not look at my keyboard that much. I just want it to feel good. Yeah. And, and I plugged it in and just to be clear, like if it was a stuck key, right. I, I, I managed to finally log into windows I plugged it. I, I have a, I have found a ten dollar crappy Microsoft piece of crap Ew. keyboard from Ew. crap Crapland. I got a couple of those sitting over there. Hey, um, I guess we can do the podcast. I have a couple topics. We're starting a little late because oh, guess what? Uh-huh. We're starting a little late. Guess what? Not because Brant was late, not entirely. Not of that, no. But because ZenCaster decided to shit the bed again, and but we're up. We're good. I'm glad it's working. I think it's Zencaster is mad at me because I yelled at it in our last podcast and it holds a grudge. Zencaster holds a grudge. It, it very well. That. That, we could flag that as the podcast title. Like uh, so, <laughs> I, I got to imagine, you know, on the back end, uh, they are. Uh, doing transcription and, and they should, and they probably look for the word Zencaster to see if they can pull some sentiment analysis, right? That's what I would do. Me too. And probably, in fact, I don't know if you know this. I talked to someone uh, the you, you probably do knowing you know about machine learning and everything. I talked to someone who was in a support job at one time, and they had ML running on the calls they were on as they were on them and the ML could analyze tone and let you know if the customer or the person giving support were getting angry and give you a prompt to either calm down yourself or to try and calm down the customer. (laughs) So that means that they can hear Zencaster. They don't even need need to take PII, although probably I probably signed something that said they could have anything I say on here. My social security number is 9400. <laughs> I bet if I'm running Zencaster, if I'm working on the ML team at Zencaster, Zencaster may not have an ML team, but if it, it does and I'm there, I am analy- listening for the word Zencaster. When I find it, I'm gathering context of tone and doing a pure sentiment analysis based on that. I'm sure there are people who do podcasts. In fact, I listened to one, one of the trivia podcasts I listened to. They rave about Zencaster. We love, Zencaster works so well for us, blah, blah, blah. I would like to see the graph. <laughs> Million dollar ideas. Uh, sorry, $10 ideas straight from Alan. Someone show me a histogram. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, there was a time, once upon a time, it seems... 
I wonder if we've done more podcasts remotely than we have together at this point. Probably not, but no, there was a time I'd walk into a conference room at Microsoft and Brent would be in there waiting for me with all the equipment and he'd have an agenda written on the whiteboard. Yeah. I'd just plug stuff in and we'd go. Yeah. And actually, what should I do with all this? Oh, sometime I'm going <laughs> to let's do a podcast at Microsoft sometime and I'll take it all back with I'll take it all back with me. Yeah, you could even I don't know. You have my good microphone. Do I? Which one is it? The SM58. Oh no, it's the Beta 3, I think. I have a Beta 58. Yeah, the Beta 58. That's the one. That's nice. And it works better with your saliva on it. Thank you for that. <laughs> so these days though, uh about a good five minutes for the podcast, I throw a couple things into our Slack. Brent doesn't reply, and I say, don't worry about it. We'll wing it. And that's how we do our podcast. Yes. Yes. So the title yes. of the podcast is Zencaster Holds a Grudge. And I got two topics I want to talk about. Brent, heads or tails? Heads or tails? Which one's first? Doesn't matter. Heads is first. Heads is first. Okay. Right. Clearly. So one of the things that I I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. I've been thinking about a lot. And guess what, people? Somebody at work who listens to my podcast said, I like it when you talk about things that are happening at work. And guess what? All of my inspiration. I, I don't have any time for thinking about other things. When there's things I need to vet, there's things I need to figure out. And it's no secret if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. I often, very frequently, almost always use this podcast to help me think through things that are on my head, whether it's a conference presentation, whether it's a paper or an article I want to write, or whether it's just stuff I'm trying to figure out and get some more insight on. We had a whole conversation a couple of weeks ago when I was working on the thinking about when we kind of vetted out the presentation that I gave at Testflix, you know, how I learn, I just kind of shoved my head full of stuff and wait for it to fall out in some sort of cohesive manner. That's part of um, the, the odd way in which my brain works. So guess what, Brent, you know, we're in a recession. It feels like we should have a theme song for oh. Alan fixes unity today or something. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> you were a music major. Come up with something. You know, uh, we'll we'll compose a tune over on the Taylor Swift Elon Musk podcast. We call it Tay Musk, but maybe we'll write a song over there. But it's not, it's not even just Alan talks about unity because the the conference presentation that we did we vetted together a month or two ago that was anything to do with unity. But sometimes just like it's not entirely unity. It's just stuff in my head I need to get straight. Okay. Uh, probably a bunch. We've probably had a bunch of examples of that, but it's just one of the things that you're good for, Brent. And one of the things that surprisingly makes adequate podcast fodder is for me just to kind of dump what I'm thinking and then get some feedback from you plus some other alternate ideas. Cause this is what helped gets my brain gears rolling. It's less about Alan fixes unity, more about Alan fixes himself. Gotcha. So it, this is all growth. This is how I grow. This well, is, I'm this here is how to I feed the garden of my brain. I'm here to help you grow. I'm here to help you. So uh, recession. Uh, I'm sure it's the same at Microsoft. Didn't Microsoft just have some more layoffs? Did I hear that? 
Uh, Did yeah. I mention that a few weeks ago? I can't remember. I'm not like picking on you this time. No, no, it was it was uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, and right they're the first to to get hit. It's it's always the the sales organization. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, and again, um, people uh, as a tangent because it wouldn't be an A/B testing podcast without one. There'll be some post that says Microsoft lays off 1,000 people. People go, oh my god, the economy, blah, blah. You know, Microsoft employs like 200,000 people. It's okay. Yeah, it was, it, well, it's, it's unfortunate. And, nothing, and those people, I'm sure they've all found jobs by now. It's not, but it just, it's small. I remember, uh, I can use names, Michael Bolton once was ranting on Twitter. This was like 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Microsoft can't hire testers. They have a hundred job openings for testers. And I said, uh, Michael, we have 9,000 testers. So a hundred across those teams, no big deal. And he said, paraphrased. Oh, (laughs) paraphrased. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) you know, we're going to grow slow while we figure out how the world's going to work. So, what do you have to do in order to grow slow or be stagnant? And and there's more work coming in. Here, here's, here's the question. You have a team of size X that can do, you know, X team size work. And there's more work you need to do and no more people to add. What do you do? Uh, you, you, you spread your effort across each work stream evenly. <laughs> you say no to shit, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a phrase I. There's something. Uh, there's. Well, we talked about it very recently, right? That the we talked about productivity versus efficiency, right? And intrinsically, no one likes being bored. And what I've noticed is that 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 encourages this desire to keep starting things, keep starting things. <laughs> well, we have to start this. We have to start that. We have to start this. And then there's a forgetting that the more things that you are starting, the harder it is for you to close them. Yep. So I don't know if I've done this speech on the podcast like there's several things that I've done that are sort of notable quotables. Um, but this one, it is, it is vastly better. It is vastly better to make 50% of the people 100% happy than 100% of the people 50% happy. That, 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 that may be the, the, little, the little tag that kicks the podcast off. Yeah. Right before. Is that the intro to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Alex Fixes Unity theme song? Is my name Alex now? Alex, Alex. No, that's my son. I've called him Alan at times, too. That's okay. My, <laughs> my, my, dog, my dog's name is Tara. Uh, my daughter's been listening to Taylor Swift so much, she started mis- accidentally calling the dog Taylor. It's pretty funny. Taylor is not a bad name for a dog. If I was allowed a dog, I'd, uh, I'd be calling it random. But I, know, I get one called Brent. Would you? Maybe. It, that's a probably, good. That's a good dog name, though, right? Brent. It is a good dog name, but do you really need the reminder of me every day, twenty four seven? 
You're not the most famous Brent in the world, you know. Uh, no. But I would argue I'm, I'm the closest one to you. Yeah, it's a rare name. You tell me a, 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 another Brent. Brent Michaels. Okay, so you just took my middle name, which I shared with you last episode, and added an <laughs> S to it. So you're just making up names now. <laughs> oh, that's Brett Michaels, actually. That's Brett Michaels. Sorry. Oh, right. So the, yeah, the singer I guy. I was thinking Brett from Michaels from Poison. Po- Poison. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's okay. You've been Brett before. So anyway, prioritization. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So here's how I've been, I, you know, I've been talking to folks I work with a lot about it while I think through it. And off, actually, I have group meetings, like my, my leadership group, where I'll do the same thing. Sometimes it's just me talking about some ideas, having some discussion about it in order to help get my brain straight and get them thinking about the things that I think are important. Now I wonder, is my whole life a podcast? It could be. What if everything's a podcast? Could you disprove that? Jeez, I'm in the, this is a weird version of Inception where it's a podcast. And anyway, talking about prioritization and let me know if this makes sense. Because I think there are two, I I hate making dichotomies, but there's two different types of prioritization. I'll say it anyway. There's prioritization between projects. Like what's the next thing we need to do? What, uh, of all the, initiatives or improvements we can make. What's the next thing we need to do? Okay. Implement shimmery blue menus. I don't know what it is. That's my, that's my canonical dumb project name. And then, and that's where we partner with product management or program management as Microsoft often refers to them, like get that partnership and figure out like from the backlog of things of customer problems we can solve. What's the most important right now? What's the most bang for the buck? So you, Cause you want to look at the, the effort and impact quadrant, but, you know what I mean? It's like, what yes. do we do next? It answers the question, what do we do next? And then, because that requires a partnership and a little bit of a roadmap and thinking about what else it enables and dependencies and all those things. But then once you've determined that, and that part's kind of orderly, then there's the messy part, which as a engineering leader, your team, it's prioritization within that project. Looking at prioritization between projects on a weekly, usually maybe a little more, maybe, maybe a little less uh, basis, figure out what's next. But then there's prioritization within that project, which may happen multiple times a day. It's like, I have a thing we need to do. What's the part we need to do first that unblocks the rest or helps us get the most learning or helps us figure out uh, whatever we need to do to optimize the rest. And that's a constant little turmoil of shuffling things around to figure out, are we doing the right are we building this thing in a way that gets us learning in the fastest way possible? And maybe those, I don't think they intermix. I think one is a planning and one, one is prioritization of planning and one is prioritization of execution. Yeah. It's what do you think about that? No, that I think that's absolutely true. It's, it's, I would frame it differently. It's, it's macro versus micro prioritization. Okay. That's not really framing; it's labeling, right? <laughs> Brett, Brett, just Brett, <laughs> go on, go on, Brett Michaels, lead singer of Poison. Uh, I am Alan Page, and I am number one. I think the same. In, so, in my worldview, I ask the same question 
in both cases. And it's essentially what's the right order such that I am doing things in ROI order right now. The one thing I don't do, like I don't sequence. So obviously if I'm, if I, if I have a, we call them scenarios or features, right? Uh, whatever you want to call it, it, it is a collection of concrete work items, build this database, build the front end, build the, the business logic layer or whatever you want to, the shimmery menu module. So you want to, you want to build it in an, in an ROI order, uh, and which is often sequential. Sometimes it isn't. The scenarios, though, that is more of a, in my view, it's a more of an investment question. Should we even invest in this? And if we do, then then it's a generally it's independent. It's usually mutually exclusive from the other scenarios, and so you can decide to cut them in uh, in part, or you can decide to execute them in parallel. You have other options on. So, so in your note, just to match up our nomenclature for you, scenarios are like what I'm talking about with projects. It's the bigger thing. The thing we're trying to prioritize and figure out which one we should do next. Yes. A scenario is closer to like my view of a user. Well, user story, it'd, it'd be a high level user story. Okay. So the way, so what I'm thinking is prioritizing those is a fairly rigorous approach. Cause you said you're looking at ROI. You're looking at, you're, you're doing some analysis to try and figure out which one is next. There's some extra effort that goes into that. But within the project, my experience is, and my experience could be wrong, I certainly don't know everything, but I think it's a little more chaotic and we, we can't make deep analysis. We're making a lot of gut level decisions on what's the next thing to do or exper- I shouldn't say experience-based decisions on how we order the bits of this and who should do what even if I'm leading that team. Those are quicker decisions. There's less RO, there's less analysis if we stop to analyze every little piece of that, the thing would never get done. We're organizing some, it's a little more chaotic when compared to the rigor that you would put into planning the scenarios or the projects. That's what, that's all I'm saying. Is rigor and chaotic opposites. Um, I didn't say they were. No. So it is, it is less rigorous, but in my view, it is because it's less risky because it's already gone through yeah, the oh, rigor yeah. the rigor of the previous analysis right and in this case what we are trying to do is now in my view it, it's okay what's the execution now i of course add complexity to that because if it's a scenario if it's a scenario that when you line up all the work items end to end it's something that takes three to six months uh. then i i look at it and say okay how <laughs> How do we refactor how we're going to deliver this scenario? Because I want some small, thin slice of it to ship in a month. Yeah, or or less. A month, a month. What kind of planet are you from? Are you truly a disciple of Eric Reese? I am not a disciple of friggin' anybody. But uh, if I interpret your thing differently of, uh, okay, um I would say, yeah, right, because a lot of the work that I'm doing, right, in, in data science, when I start, here's, here's one of the challenges I get all the time. Unlike 
in a dev role or in a QA role. In the data science role, people now engage me and and they often will approach me with, when you look at their point of view of what data science in terms of their ask, it's undiscernible from magic. Hey, Britt, could you create data science that will figure out who this bug should be filed against? Like, who is the actual person? <laughs> and, and I'm like, um, well, uh, okay, that was too far of an example because if someone came to me with that one, I would just outright it's like, yeah, sorry, that is beyond my team's capability. I, I know what you're talking about. I heard just today someone say to me, oh, we can use ML to figure that out. And I said, um, or we could just do it by hand. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an interesting world. But the worst one is where if I instinctively go, okay, I think I have everything I need, uh, like all the pieces. But to me, data science is 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 actually a lot closer to like making a recipe when you don't have a cookbook. Like you, you if you were to say, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, if you were to say, okay, I've got applesauce, uh, oat flour, and Tabasco. I'm going to make bread, right? It's your first 10 tries are probably going to suck, right? How do we get How do we get all the way out here? I don't know. But one thing I was going to say is a crotchety old man get off my lawn voice is there's stuff. I mean, people call ML today. It isn't really ML. It was just a stupid algorithm in my day. Oh. That's all I want to say. So rewinding the stack, this is I'm making a, a, re, a fishing a motion of like I'm reeling in my fishing line. Prioritization is super important. And I think one of the things I just wanted to think about and to put this back on topic before we go on to the next one is I've been thinking a lot about it. I'd love to hear tips from the listeners on prioritization. You know, we're doing it in a time, uh, I'm thinking about it more in a time of slow growth, but it also made me think, why aren't we, or why haven't I thought more about prioritization in times of larger growth? It's always an important thing to do. Learning how to say no to people and setting expectations on what can and can't be done or things you're going to shut down should be a regular process. Um, there are large companies, no American Airlines did this. I just read an article on this and somebody else big I just read about twice a year, they get their execs together and decide what they're going to stop doing. They, yep. They figure out what they're going to de-invest in. It's weird. I just came, I have this weird thing where I come across these articles while I'm thinking about these things. And I think a lot of, as I think back, even all the way back to Microsoft, we're very slow to turn things off and just, even if it's going to make people angry. No, there is, there is definitely this phenomenon where if once it gets past of a tipping point, it's hard to to kill things because it, uh, people just it becomes a self fulfilling thing, right? I see this a lot with like central orgs. Hey, a central org, they are going uh, the uh, a central org gets created. Maybe let's make up an example. They're going to create a universal company wide data warehouse, right? They're going to curate all the company's data and then open it up and then everybody solved it. Okay. So 
now let's say they they solve the current company needs and maybe even the company needs for the next year. It, it really doesn't matter. Well, now what you see, because it's now a relatively large team, they've in order to clean this up because they had to have engagements across uh, all the different divisions in the company. You have a large number of PMs, you dev managers, right? Well, now at this point in time, there's no new ass coming from the customers. Um, uh, it, but they feel motivated. Hey, it's another, it's another milestone coming up. We need to go through planning. So now their planning becomes sort of self-fulfilling self, um, self, self, self. What is it called when you're just trying to protect yourself? Self. I don't, uh, there's, there's a common term for this. It's, it's now all about making sure that their team doesn't die, even though that they, they have right. Fulfilled the problem. And, and in those cases, right. It would be, Darn handy if executives re-looked at it and said, okay, we have a lot of really strong talent here. Adding the square root of zero ROI really to the business. Can we can we begin a shift where we move that talent into something where our current needs are and kind of put it on their plate to figure out, okay, how do we make this go to just pure maintenance mode? So you've actually touched on something else I've been thinking about. There's another team I work with that has a little bit of duplication of what one of my teams does. And the other team, it, there's maybe it's self-preservation was the work you were looking that for. That is the word I was looking for. Thank you. So there's a little bit of that there. And what's lacking there, another thing we've talked about before, is psychological safety. I want teams to be able to, I mean, this is, it's a tough place to be. It's tough to get there. You need a, a good level of safety for it and culture for a team to go, you know what, what we're working on isn't in the best interest of the company and be able to say that and then be able to pivot and work on something else. That's, that's important. Yes, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's a, a good, I know it doesn't exist in Microsoft, but uh, it doesn't exist. I don't know if it exists anywhere. It's a really hard thing to do, but I'd love to see it more often. I would love to see, you know, even in times of, I think they put it this way, uh, in times of slow growth, you can focus on this keeps the business running. This makes money, everything else. And that everything else stuff is stuff you can cut or will enable money. I'm, I'm, I'm grossly generalizing here, but even in times of, of economic growth. I think you would do those two plus, uh, are you familiar with um, uh, McKinsey's horizon planning? No. So McKinsey has this crash course. H1 is your current business, H horizon one. Horizon two extends your current business a little farther out. And then H3 are brand new businesses you want to create. You could say when, Microsoft Microsoft doesn't really do a lot of H3 stuff, but um, HoloLens, good example, brand new business they want to get into. You could argue as an extension of Xbox. I'll say it's Horizon 3. It's a brand new business. Microsoft Teams, Horizon 2, they're extending what people had in the office suite to give people new functionality. Eventually, now, Teams at Microsoft is no longer Horizon 2 product. It's Horizon 1 product. It's part of their current business, helping them make a lot of money. So what you want to do in those times of economic growth 
if you look a little bit more deeply into the invest more in those horizon two and horizon three projects, trying to grow your business. Whereas maybe in times of economic uh, stability, slowdown, recession, whatever you want to call it, you're, you still have to do a little there, but I think that's where you may end up making some cuts because you got to keep the business running. You got to keep the current revenue running. You got to keep the business running. I think no matter what, and, and based on based on prior things that you said earlier, right? You brought in Eric Reese. Um, I think companies are better suited when they are when they operate lean all the time, whether it be good or bad, right? Because if it even if it's in a good time and you're operating lean then that's going to help you pivot your resources uh, even further towards uh, growth. Yep. Right. I think we and talked so, about this exact same thing before, but yeah, yeah, you're on the money. In, in this particular case, I think it's beneficial that, you know, every now and again, things like this happen um, and it forces, forces people to be lean. Uh, I guess the only problem is, Right, it doesn't stick. Once once the the floodgates begin to open up again, then laziness is gonna kick in again. Yeah, but it's important. I mean, what you want to do is true, just as true at Microsoft and Unity and every other company in the world is you want to use times like this to really solidify to really be ready for when times are different or better to make sure you can run and whether it's lean or just. You know, some of the messages I've been handing to my teams are, look, you, we are not going to run at 100% capacity. We've talked about, I talk about flow a lot, as you can imagine, and, right. and freeways full of cars don't move. <laughs> and being that we're not going to, we're going to do, we're going to say no to stuff so we can stay at that 80% and have some slack as uh, Reinertsen refers to it. So that uh, we can, one, sustain and maintain our mental health while we're being very clear on what we can and cannot deliver on. I think it's a pretty critical message for anybody in the world over the next however long until things smooth out. Tell the Republicans, win the midterms and fix the economy for the world. Hey, spoiler, that's not going to happen. Sorry, every time I think about politics, I realize how much I just... angry anger anger yeah i think the thing that you and i are very firm on is politicians suck yeah yeah um they're yeah million percent um by the way if you if you're in the uh americas in the united states at least that's not even all the americas uh if you're in the united states please go out and vote uh, you will not hear another podcast from us before, I don't think, before we get to voting day. So get that taken care of. No, that's uh, Tuesday. Is it? I, I don't do, I don't, calendar math means nothing to me in the time of the pandemic. I can speak in relative terms. So was I, Dude, was don't I get correct? defensive. Was I correct that we would not have a podcast with, before voting time? I wasn't me? attacking you. Chillax. Oh, it's okay. Tuesday. I was validating. Okay, man. We're cool then. Okay. So yeah, please go vote and vote for people that won't uh, squash human rights and things like that. Just even, even if they suck, 
vote for, please go out and vote for the least sucky candidate on there. Because believe me, they all suck. <laughs> all right. That's, that's my, uh, I'm probably not the right person that um, vote.org wants to uh, uh, have lead their, <laughs> their advertising campaign, but that's my advertisement. <laughs> Uh, so so much I could respond to at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to. So here's what I want to do in our, a shorter podcast this time, which people are going. Thank God we can get onto the podcasts we like. Yeah. But I want to set up the next podcast. Oh, at three fifty five, you don't want to actually start this one. You want to start the next one already. You know okay. what? Let's go for it. Let's, let's go for it. Here we go. Ready? Ready? Hold on, everybody. Uh, Here's the A-B testing podcast compressed version. Not, not going to happen. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Brent. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> and there you go. So uh, this is a great one to get some feedback on even before we talk about next time. Actually, I'm going to pose Wait, a question. This for podcast is the one you want no, feedback no. on. <laughs> I want feedback on this topic I'm going oh, to bring it. up. It's around yeah. everything we talk about on here, but a slightly different variation. We will take some feedback from listeners and we're going to talk about this more next time. And if you want to join our community, you can go to moderntesting.org and you can click on the link to join our Slack community. And just to warn you, sometimes you click on the link and it says, this link has expired. Please contact us. Bullshit. Just wait five minutes and try again and blame Slack. Because it, it 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 still works. Right? People it, about once every two months, someone says, "Hey, the link's not working," and I go check it, and it's working. I said, eh, "It works on my machine." <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, so go to monitor.org, click on the link, wait five minutes, click on it again, refresh, whatever. I don't know what happens, but the link's still good. Uh, join our group, uh, be in conversations. We have uh, a a good community of people answering questions, discussing stuff. It's awesome. We have talked a lot in the past around coaching teams and helping teams get, you know, accelerating developers and learning stuff. We talked about modern testing principles and and we talked about them from the perspective of a tester helping teams out. But what if your team doesn't have any testers? So what do you do? Here's a scenario. You have a development team who don't have great quality in their product. It's okay not great. It's, it's fair quality. I'll call it fair quality. Plenty of room for improvement. They want, not being told, they want to own testing. They want to own quality. They want to get better, but they don't know how, and they don't have a coach. Let me add another twist. And unconscious incompetence, they don't know what they don't know. They don't realize they don't know how to improve their quality as much as they could. Okay. Sure. They can write some tests. It's like the old line I used to give my old manager. Yes. Your developers do all the testing they know how to do. And my job was to give them a little bit more because they, they thought they did it all. They missed stuff. So you have a dev team quality has room for improvement. They want quality to be better. They're invested in it, but they don't know how to do that. And they don't know. They don't know how to do that. Okay, well, therein, what do you do? Therein lies the solution: is you have to create a process by which what they don't know, they don't know, will be discovered. That is the fifth order of ignorance. I thought it was the fourth order. If you count from zero, no. Even if you count from zero, then it would be. Th- 
So I know something. I know I don't know something. I don't know I don't know something. And then there is like, what am I missing? I, I know something. I know I don't know something. I don't know I don't know something. You're right. The fourth one is I don't have a suitable means to discover what I don't know I don't know. And the fifth is I understand the rules of ignorance. So you're correct. You're correct. Fourth from one. Right. And I dumb. That last one's stupid. That one to me feels like just self-advertisement. But no, but it means you understand how knowledge acquisition works. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Because until you get that, that's that's how knowledge acquisition works. If you're a learner, if you have a, now I can pin people down. If you have a growth mindset, you'll know about the fifth order of ignorance. Uh, I don't know that that's true. I know about the both of them. And I'm the only one talking about the orders of ignorance. Oh yeah. And by sad. the way, I haven't posted my five for Friday yet, but I actually found an article published because orders of ignorance is like two decades old. I found a recent article that I liked that referenced the five orders of ignorance. Awesome. It's lots of love there. Lots of love. Okay, man. Well, um, that is our eh, 43 and a half minutes now, probably around 40 minutes by the time I get done editing. We'll see what happens, but uh, this has been eight. This has been the AB. Oh, if I I forgot again, sorry, brain fart. AB testing, or is this the Tay Musk podcast? Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, uh, AB testing podcast. I'm Alan. <laughs> I'm Brent, and we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>